The Law School Show. Helping you navigate the law school experience with resources and opportunities curated for your success. Catch it all here, right now, on the Student Life Series. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Student Life Series on The Law School Show. I'm Bianca, and I'll be your host for today. So we're here to wrap up our 2L year, actually. We just finished our 2L year about a week ago um, at the University of Ottawa, and we're getting ready for finals. So we are ready to give you a debrief. Um, Hopefully this episode is helpful if you are applying to law school, you finished your 1L, or you're finished 2L just like us. So I'm here with my friends Véronique and Laurie. How are you? Good, how are you? Good, thanks. So I'll ask you to to, um, introduce yourself to our audience. Sure. Uh, I'm Laurie. Um, I, before law school, I did, I'm from Quebec, so I did CEGEP. Uh, I did criminology first, and then I did health sciences because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was considering, uh, the, the medical field. Uh, and then I came to Ottawa, did, uh, criminology. Uh, that's when I did a field placement with a law firm and decided that I wanted to go to law school. Uh, but I was too late to apply to law school at that point that year. So I did a certificate in mental health and addictions uh, before coming to law school. Um, the area that I was interested in before starting law school, I, I thought for sure I was going to want to practice criminal law, uh, more specifically criminal defense. Uh, I had a bit of experience with that. I still, I'm still very passionate about that. That's something that I'm still interested in. But I also discovered that I'm interested in other fields of law. Um, so I'm uh, exploring my options at the moment. Yeah. So hi, my name is Veronique. Uh, I did an undergrad in conflict studies and human rights and feminist studies before coming to law school. Um, I came to law school because I want to work in social justice and I found that it was an interesting way of approaching the field. Uh, so that's still what I want to do. Anything related to social justice, which is pretty much a broad, <laughs> you know, it's a broad area. So I don't know exactly what I want to do, but right now I'm pretty interested in working in legal clinics, stuff like that. Um, just as cliche as this will sound, just to help people, you know. <laughs> I'm your host, Bianca. Um, I did an undergraduate degree in marketing before graduating in 2020 and then coming straight to law school. I would say that when I came to law school, I thought that family law would interest me and that was kind of the direction I was going to go in, I thought. But then as things went on, I got more interested in criminal law, animal rights law, um, litigation, but I'm really open to a lot of different fields, I've realized. Coming to to law school has made me realize that I am actually interested in a lot more than I thought I was. Let's begin. The first question, how did you both uh, find your classes in 2L maybe compared to 1L? uh, What has been different for, for the two of you? For me, well, obviously, because we're all in a program that does droit civil and common law. So our second year, we started droit civil. Um, for me, you know how they say during your first year, it's like learning a new language, um, which I find was very accurate of our 1L year for me. 
But I feel like in 2L, we kind of had that experience again with Droit Civil. Um, but I found that, you know, we were more prepared. We knew, um, well, for myself, I knew more how to prepare myself for exams. I knew more what to expect. Um, I knew my limits too, in terms of, um, how many hours a day I can study, how close to an exam I can start preparing for it. Um, so I found that a lot of stress and anxiety that I had, first year regarding that um, was uh, a lot better in 2L. Um, but yeah, the the droit civil part I found was very much like being first year again, um, having to start over in, in, in terms of learning how it works. But I, I myself was more confident with uh, how I prepared for exams and everything. And obviously our common law classes, I, I felt way uh, more comfortable than I did last year. Yeah, I completely agree on the, um, you know, starting over part and feeling like you're just doing it one L again. Um, I also feel that way in terms of the classes that we had. So, you know, in first year, you have the contract classes, the property law classes, the all that basic stuff. Not basic, it's important, but the base classes, the basic classes. Um, and you had to do that all over again in civil law, in droit civil. So um, it was interesting to see how both systems work and how they work with each other. But when you see your colleagues in common law having super interesting classes and social justice, for example, for me, um, it was a little bit, you know, tricky because you want to, you know, it's a sacrifice that you make to, to have two degrees at the end, but at the same time, you can't pursue what you really, really want to do. Um, but we did have a bit of leeway um, in terms of choosing our classes. Uh, we had a few classes that we could choose. We did the clinic, Laurie and I, uh, the legal clinic. Um, I also had a class, Feminist Law Reform, with Professor Martha Jackman. We are in a dual degree program, the three of us. So we do have the civil law and common law kind of that we're taking together. But we were able to choose a few classes in 2L that went a little bit further than the core classes, like Veronique said. I did kind of get more of a sense that I understood a bit more what was going on the second time around, like Larry said. I would say that was a bonus. Some of the classes get more interesting because you can take uh, classes that you're that are closer to subjects that you're more interested in so naturally it's a little bit easier to learn and if I can add to I found that because of obviously being in second year we like you guys said we can choose a few of our classes but um, for me what was really interesting is that I, I got to choose some more hands-on classes like Vero said we did um, the legal clinic which you're you're working on your cases it's not it's not an actual class you're more um it does count as a class it, it counts as credits um uh, but you get it for me i found that that's how i learned the most because i i was actually doing the work uh applying what i learned in my first year to the cases and and working with the with the lawyers uh we did that but i also did well we all did it but we did a class um with another legal clinic that was also very hands-on it helped us learn. You you learn about these um, court proceedings in class, but seeing it as it evolves gives you more of a sense of 
how it actually works and tells you if, if it's something that you see yourself doing long term. So that's what I enjoyed about 2L too, is, is those things that we couldn't do in first year, we were able to actually apply in second year. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, after 1L, you do have those opportunities where you can take clinic courses, I'm guessing at most universities, at least. For my part, I was able to take uh, the summer after 1L, an internship in child protection law, which was really interesting. But these kinds of opportunities, I find they, they do give you a sense of, okay, can I do this for, you know, a few years after I graduate? Um because you don't really know. The classes are so different compared to living it like you are working in that field. So for sure, that was super beneficial. I also did a clinic course that was amazing. And yeah, those are just opportunities that I hope to take again in 3L as well. How would you say that uh, you studied this time around? Was there anything that you, are there any like habits that you took in 2L compared to 1L? I um I really liked what we did in first year. So Laurie and I in first year were splitting our readings that we had to do because it's unless you're a super quick reader and you have superpowers, it's humanly impossible to do all of them, <laughs> not break down, you know. So um so, so Laurie and I and another of our friends we split the the readings, um and that was a really good trick to do and uh. Yeah, and sometimes, I mean, we still, not so much like the readings, but more, you know, the tasks. If you didn't have some time to do something, you know, we can always share our notes or whatever, or, you know, just really teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, that's a big tip. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I found it was very useful and we've we were told that by professors in in orientation um just to find friends and study with them and share the workload um so that's something that uh really stuck another thing maybe um I think with in 2L you get the sense kind of like Lohi said earlier you know you know what you're doing a bit more so you know what to expect during exams, uh, so it's easier to know what you need in your notes and how you're going to do your exam and what what's more comfortable for you regarding your notes. You kind of get to know yourself in, for, in 1L, and then in 2L, you kind of do the same or not do the same. I know for me, it didn't quite work. I was like, ah, <laughs> you know, apply what I wanted to do, but I didn't, and now I do it, and it it's working now. To kind of build up on what Vero said, I, I definitely agree with the teamwork aspect, which is something that for me, when I did my undergrad, I, I didn't really, I wasn't necessarily doing that. I, I was mostly like just doing my own thing, having my own notes, uh, only, you know, relying on myself for everything. And it, it worked for that part. Um, and I thought coming into law school, I was like, you know, I don't need anyone. <laughs> I can study on my own. I can have, uh, you know, I can take my own notes. Um, uh, I, I trust myself to be able to take notes and to have the material. And I quickly, very quickly realized that, you know, you, you need friends in law school. You definitely do. Um, if, if not for 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 notes, you you need them for moral support. For you know, comes exam time, you 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 need to be able to talk to people who are going through the same thing you are. 
and who are going to push you and like, you know, exactly when when you feel like you can't do it anymore, and you just want to go to bed, you need a friend to be like, No, you only have one more chapter, just do it. Um, and obviously, for the note sharing, uh, it's it's definitely a, a game changer. I didn't do that my first year, my first semester. Um, I mostly relied on my own notes. And I felt like I, you know, didn't need anyone else. Um, but then, you know, it, it makes a world of a difference when you actually share with people, you can exchange, you know, thoughts, sometimes you understand something uh, in a different way than your friend does. Uh, and then when you talk about it, you come to realize that if you put those two together, then you actually get the concepts. And um, it helps a lot um, to, to rely on people. And uh, for me, also first year, I felt like we had these meetings where people were telling us you need to do this to prepare for exam, you need to have um, an outline, this is how you need to do it. Uh, you need one for each class, you need a table of content, you, you need this, this and this and that. And for me, I figured, you know, those people were successful. They're telling me that's what I need to do. So I need to apply that. I need to do that. And my first year, I was focused on that. And I was really trying to do that because I I figured they know better. They they went through it. Um, and I was really trying to do that. And then I ended up realizing that that's not, it, it doesn't work for me. Um, that's not the way uh, my brain works. Like I need to map things out. I need to understand how my, my, my notes are organized. I need to know where to find the information. And part of that is also probably just us doing exams online and having access to our notes on our computer. Uh, you need to adapt, I guess, because of that. Uh, obviously, we have access to Control F, which is <laughs> so helpful. <laughs> but yeah, for me, uh, I in, in the second, second semester of the first year, I tried a few things uh, for a few classes. I tried to do tables to try to map out uh, the, the case law, the rules, everything that we needed. I tried a few, a few different things. And this year, what I realized is, for me, it depends on the class. Um, I would say, you know, trust yourself. You know yourself. You know how you learn. Um, and just because it works for everyone else around you doesn't mean it has to work for you. Another, if if you don't mind me adding, another thing that I, I, I thought about when Lohi was speaking, but another thing that I do uh, is I explain the material to a member of my family. Um, my partner, who's not in law school, although we joke that he's he should get a law degree because he hears my classes all the time. And we talk about the materials. So. Yeah, an honorary law degree. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so just explain the material you know, pass through your notes. If there's something you're really comfortable about, you can skip it, uh, comfortable with, sorry, you can skip it. If not, it really helps me to explain the material. Um, I did that with my mom over the phone as well. Hmm. Yeah, it was, it's great because you get to have a little bit more confidence in, in your understanding of the material. You're like, okay, no, actually I got this. <laughs> That's true because at the end of the day, when you come to an exam, it's not only about knowing the material, but you do have to explain the material in your exam. So practicing that would definitely help. I would say like for my part, I feel that I plan a lot in order to procrastinate. <laughs> so that's my main challenge. When I was getting ready for 1L, I would obsessively watch YouTube videos of law school vloggers and stuff like that to try and figure out 
how they had organized their notes, what they were highlighting and how they were highlighting and what was their highlighting code. And fast forward to now, I bought highlighters. I don't think I've ever opened the pack. <laughs> like all this stuff I realize now is kind of useless, like all the stress and stuff. At the end of the day, like you just kind of figure out your own way. Um, personally, I love having a table of contents in my notes. Like I really like having my notes really organized and all that. And sharing the notes, like sharing is caring. It really does help because then you can get insights from your friends. Discussing with friends has been probably my main way of studying. Like I would say that now when I prepare for exams, I'm probably spending like half of my time self-studying and the other half of my time probably discussing the material. Because at the end of the day, we all have different life experiences. And sometimes the way we interpret difficult things to read, it's really different from one person to the next. So it's really like the yin and yang, like we just understand different parts. So it really helps. For my side, like I know that some people for productivity, they use like schedule blocking and stuff like that. Like I've tried different things like to try and not procrastinate. And I think right now what's working the most for me is to take a lot of breaks. You know, if you're looking for something that might help you study, I use the Focus Keeper app. And so I use like the Pomodoro method, which I know does not work for everyone. It holds me accountable. Yeah, I also heard about a fun sandwich oh. or something like that. <laughs> so you do something fun and then you do your studies and then you do something fun. So doing something, you know, if you want to procrastinate a bit, just do it. Don't, don't to stress about it just watch the Netflix episode and then study for a few hours and then go paint or go read or you know go take a walk and then you'll start over again so it's like you know just taking breaks but doing something fun instead of just taking a break and watching TikToks I mean if that's what if that's what you like to do if I get lower grades this year it's probably because of TikTok because I downloaded TikTok this year and honestly <laughs> oh it's horrible Yeah, I, I think I found my groove a little bit more this year. Like I'll play jazz music and study and that kind of helps. And for me, I, I think if I can add something, I like I'm very busy outside of law school, which I think helps me and obviously would not work for everyone. But for me to have because I, I obviously have, I have a job outside of law school and I do the clinic and I do all these things. And to me, it helps me when I'm not studying, but I'm doing these things, I feel good about myself because I'm like, I couldn't study anyways, because I'm, I'm working. Um, but then it helps me focus more on my studies when I'm actually studying. Because um, I know I have less time than maybe some other people. Uh, so I have to, I have to keep myself, I guess, accountable when I do have time to study. Um, but it helps me just do other things and not just sit at home thinking I should be studying right now while I'm not. That's true. Sometimes like overloading your schedule, as long as it's not bad stress, like, and it's still doable, for sure, that helps. I think that too, like, that's why I'm part of like a bunch of clubs, and I try to get involved, because it takes up some of my time. I'm lucky enough. Personally, I don't have to work during law school. I work before, and I'll work during the summer, but I'm lucky I don't have to work during. I like to keep myself busy as well, or like set boundaries. Now I'll start getting up earlier. I'll try to to cap it off so that I have my uh, time to myself and I'm not just doing this. On that note, um, do you have any tips on like organizing your school life balance? 
I learned the hard way that you can say no. <laughs> like you should say no sometimes. Um, yes. <laughs> it's really easy to overload your schedule. And when when you were talking, when you, when you were both talking about like, you know, having other stuff on the side, I think it's great if it works for you. <laughs> but at the same time, if you have... Um, if you have lower energy levels or if you, you know, if you're a very, I don't know, anxious person or, or whatnot, uh, it can really, your energy can be drained out very quickly. And whether it be by homework or by socializing or by, you know, so it's, it's kind of tricky. And if you do have mental health problems before coming to law school or even during law school, it makes everything harder. For sure. It can make any, everything harder. So I think it's good to, to keep in mind if you do have, mm-hmm. if you are struggling with that, um, just to kind of pace yourself and, you know, you can do the bare minimum, you know. <laughs> so it's There's still a minimum that you have to do, but you don't have to, you know, some people read cases just for fun because, you know, it's part of the experience. Do your schoolwork, do what you need to do to, you know, pass the class and do great, but without tiring yourself out. I, I think, again, it's an exercise of finding what works for you, right? Like it, it and, and not comparing yourself to everyone around you. It's so easy, I find, to be hard on yourself when you compare yourself to your friends or when you compare. And the thing is, people will try to pretend that they're studying all the time, but you don't know, you're not with them. So I think, and the first, in our first year, I I fell into that trap very quickly of thinking like, oh my God, we're a small program. We have a group chat. And I felt like everyone was studying all the time while I was not, I had a job. I was going to see my family. I was like, I'm obviously going to fail all my classes because these people are studying 24-7 and I'm not. But at the end of the day, not everyone's always studying just because there's someone asking a question in a group chat and someone else is answering that question. Um, So I think it's really important to not, and it's hard, but to not compare yourself to everyone around you. Obviously, we don't all need the same amount of time to, to, to get the same material. And so for me, I like to plan my week like I have a physical paper planner that's what works for me um and I like to write down things I have to do I have to plan I I like to plan when I'm going to do them and to you know get to that point and realize I'm not going to do it at this point and move it to another day but I like to do that physically and I like to cross out things as I'm doing them um it makes me feel better and obviously because I have so much on my plate um if I don't write things out uh, if I don't write them down, I, I learned really quickly that I forget them. So I, I write them down. And I think it's very important what Bejo said about learning how to say no. Um, I'm still learning. <laughs> Working on it. Bejo reminds me all the time. Um, it's uh, it's something that I'm, I'm working on. And obviously, I will have to work on uh, in the next years because uh, it's a problem. But it's, it's very important to... To realize that you know you're human you also have other things around your job other things outside of law school uh, you have your your personal life and everything it's it's important to prioritize your your mental health your physical health your you know you you have to you know you're the one looking out for you no one else is and i think that's something that you have to learn the hard way but you have to 
you have to learn it. <laughs> Don't compare yourself because it's a, a fight that no one's going to win. It doesn't help you and it doesn't help your friends and it doesn't do anything. So um, yeah, just know your limit in terms of planning. I like to use a to-do list like Lori, but I know that for some people it doesn't help them at all to do a to-do list and it actually stresses them out. Yeah. So it really depends on your level. Um, and to touch on what Vero said before, it's it's really great like you know Lori's working I'm like part of clubs and stuff like that but you definitely don't need to and that was something that I had trouble saying no to actually <laughs> when I started law school I wanted to get involved in all of these things and I didn't know what to pick and I thought I'm going to lose opportunities to do stuff but you're really not um, and it always seems like the person next to you is doing something more fun than you are or more, you know, that's going to have more value on their resume at the end of the day. But we're all that person for someone else. Exactly. Yeah. Like I look up to everyone around me in law school and I'm like, wow, everyone is so wonderful. They study all the time. They're so great. They're so smart. I have such great, smart women all around me. And I'm like, oh, wow. I don't know if I fit, but we all fit and we all think that we know less than we know basically like we all see less value in ourselves well at least if we have imposter syndrome really I was gonna say like I think imposter syndrome is a big thing especially in women in law school mm -hmm. I was told in first year that I need to work on my confidence because con lack of confidence can look and this is what the person told me lack of confidence can can look like a lack of competence you know, if you're lacking confidence, you can look like you're not, you don't know what you're doing. Um, but even if you are, but you're like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'm not, you know. Yeah. Often in first year, I wanted, in, in 1L, sorry, I wanted to answer questions in class, but I didn't have really the guts to do it. And I was, again, feeling like everybody knows more than me. And I would answer questions like, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that is <laughs> the answer. But no, just say the answer. If you're wrong or wrong, who cares? Oh, yeah. You know, and that's a big, I, I, I realize, like, I, I noticed that in a lot of women in our programs, like, it, it just in law school in general, and it's, it makes me sad. Yeah, that's true. I feel like every time I uh, say something in class, I'm like, oh, wow, everyone is going to think I am the dumbest person here my answer makes absolutely no sense and I don't I don't feel confident at all but when I think about the times that other people have intervened in class I'm always I I don't ever think that anyone is dumb like I don't ever think that someone is lesser like I just find that everything everyone says is usually great so a hundred percent and whenever you speak in class I was like Queen Bianca. Same here. <laughs> this is the thing. This is the issue. Yeah, and I think there's so much there's so much value also in engaging with the with the material because if you don't, then it's like you have all these thoughts in your head that you're not sharing with everyone, with anyone at all. And I think there's a lot of value in like mm -hmm. and but I think we're all we all do that. I think we all have that feeling, well, at least the three of us. 2022 resolution yeah. as of April. <laughs> As of April 17th, 2022, when we are recording this, we will be more assertive. We will be more confident. <laughs> Everyone around us is smart, but we are smart as well. No, but I was just going to add something to what you were saying, Bianca, as like, you know, you wanted to get involved in all these 
things when you started. And I remember that about you. I remember <laughs> you wanting to be part of everything. And I was just like, oh my God, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> um, and, and to me, <laughs> to me, that was the, that was like, I, I was, I felt like I was outside looking in and everyone wanted to do these things. And you hear that when you're in law school, you have to get involved. You have to find things to put on your resume. Cause when you're going to interview with firms, they're going to, they're going to want to see that you're doing other things. And to me, you know, I, I obviously was involved in different things outside of law school and I didn't want to give that up. Um, but I felt like I had to, because I had to fit in I had to participate in the law school life. Um, and obviously I didn't end up doing it that much. And we had the interviews this year and I realized that, you know, whatever is on your resume, whether it has to do with law school or not, if you're able to articulate why you do what you do and why you love what you do outside of law school, there's value to that too. Like you don't have to be one of those people who gets into law school and is in every club on the student government is involved uh, in, I don't know, mentoring and everything like that. Like you don't have to be that person. And to me, that was a great realization at the end of one all because that was a good that was a big stress for me so mm -hmm. and I think there's a a certain minimum like that you have to do because it is true that it helps in on your resume and like that's the mm -hmm. kind of tricky part because you don't have to do everything but I, I do believe that you should put all your chances on your side you know what I mean like so But at the same time, you're not going to be successful if you burn out, right? Like, yeah. it's not going to help anything if you burn out. So I am on on a club. <laughs> I did volunteering work, but I don't overcharge my schedule. That's that's more what I meant, you know? Like, yeah. you, you can do things and it will help, um, especially if in first year, you know, you don't know what you're doing. You may not be get the best grades, so the experience can help with that as well you don't have to you know if you have one thing in your resume you have one thing in your resume that's good like that's a you know and you can put the small things that you did right if you translate documents for a prof or if you just do a little thing right like that you put that on your resume you don't have to be involved for a whole year or you know you can just put the small things that you did in that that works as well. As long as you're a little bit involved, I think that, that was, that's what counts. I think it will help as well with your confidence. Um, without, again, like don't overcharge it though. <laughs> I think another thing that's important is finding things that bring you joy. Because if you do things just to put them on your resume, you're there's no value in that. And you're, you know, you're not attracting the right people if you're doing things that you don't like. Mm -hmm. And you're you're that's how you you burn yourself out if you overload your your schedule with things you don't like but you think that they're going to look good on a resume I don't think you're helping yourself at all and going through interviews I realized that you know there's things on my resume that I thought you know there's no point in leaving this on my resume I should just take it out because no one's going to care that I worked at Subway but I found that going through interviews they I don't know if it's just my experience, but they find things on your resume to talk about and it, it makes it interesting if everything is not related to law, if it's not all, you know, things that you did to look perfect on a law school resume. So I think there's value in that. Yeah, I think we'll change the subject a little bit, um, just super quickly talking about um, the fact that we've now uh, almost finished our second year in Zoom School of Law. How... <laughs> 
now that we've been done our second year, how do you feel about that? I did not think that I would enjoy it. I was really disappointed when I, you know, because we got our offer before the pandemic or right as it was starting. And it was like, oh, we're going to go out home for two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> that was a disaster that did not happen. No. <laughs> but then, you know, they, they announced <laughs> they announced that we were going to go to school online. I was super disappointed. I was really sad. I was like, I'm going to miss out. And of course, I do think that we're missing out on our experience at Fauteuil. I know that, you know, the OCIs, for example, we were all so lost with the OCIs. And I feel like the upper years, and this, I might be mistaken, like people might have been as lost as we are. But I think that the fact that we're not at Fauteuil, we're not seeing the signs at school and speaking in the hallway after class, you know, you just kind of quit the Zoom and that's it. So you don't really talk with your colleagues, talk with your profs, unless you really go out of your way to do so, <laughs> you know, like, but, but that's the thing. You can't just go talk to your prof and ask a question after, after class, you have to like book an appointment or ask them to stay after. Anyway, so it's a bit trickier, but at the same time, I really enjoy being at home and that might be controversial opinion like a lot of people are excited to go back to school I tried it made me really uncomfortable going back to school I thought it was too quick and I felt just more peaceful at home you know like I felt less stressed out when I was at home um I wasn't rushing to go to class you know you can have more sleep as well that's something a lot of law students struggle with sleep right because you're studying late or you're studying all day you don't want to just go to bed you want to like enjoy life right so you go to sleep a little bit later I think it really helped that we could get up before a class and not three hours before a class right um, and I do think that it helps during exams and because you have access to control f it took a lot of stress out of the situation for me to just be at home but at the same time I do think that we're missing out a little bit. Yeah, I agree too. For me, um, I don't know. I think I think I was disappointed too when we found out that it was going to be like our, our first year was fully online. Um, and I think, you know, a big thing in first year is, like I said earlier, making friends and finding people that you work well with. Um, and I think for me, being at home delayed that um, – process it took uh like longer for me to find my people to find the people I work well with and to find the people I wanted to share my notes with um <laughs> and I feel like that process would have been a little quicker if we had been in person um so that's a big thing and I think we have to go out of our way to connect with people uh which I find really hard online I'm like all the events that the school organizes for us where we have to talk to people where we have to uh network I find that very awkward and very hard still to this point <laughs> online mm -hmm. um and like Vero said you don't have that just like ability to walk into someone's office at school and being like hey I'm lost what am I supposed to do I want to do the OCIs I you know you can't you don't have that. You have to do everything for your, you have to find the person's email and find like who you're supposed to talk to. Um, so I, I, I guess that 
I don't know, it, it changes the experience for us. Um, when it comes to class, though, I'm, I'm with Vero on that. I like being at home. Uh, but I found that this year having like some classes in person and some classes online really helped me because I realized that some classes, it's really hard for me to listen when I'm at home. I'm distracted by all these things around me. Um, next thing I know, the class is over. I haven't taken notes yet. Like I'm, I'm, I get distracted and in person. I feel that pressure of like being in my little group of people. The prof is like looking at you. So that, you know, this year I found that that helped a little bit. Um, but obviously writing exams in person is a game changer for me just because I get distracted so easily. I, I remember in undergrad writing exams in a, in a full gym with like hundreds of people. I would spend half an hour just analyzing the people around me, just wondering how many times is this person going to go to the bathroom? And you, know, you don't have that. You, you wake up you have your coffee, you have your little glass of water, you sit at your desk at home and you write your exam. And that's... You can have a snack. You know, you can be comfortable. You can you, you can wear your sweats and you, you don't have to... And that's a, that's a big thing for me. I, I think it's going to be really hard to go back to writing exams in person if we, if we do have to, if it comes to that point. Just because also we got used to using control of like we keep saying that but it's it's a life changer <laughs> honestly it's gonna be a whole like if we do go back to writing exams in person we're gonna have to find a new way to which i know people before us did it i i i'm fully aware of that but we've just gotten used to two years of doing things our way and i think it's gonna be a learning curve for us to go back in person but it's also like like i said earlier we're in a small program and i i find that like the value of being in a small program in person is probably much bigger than than what it was for us because we we I don't know like we met most people from our program for the first time this year at the end of this year uh, we had never seen them before there's people I had never talked to outside of the discussions we have in class um, but I think that for OCIs for 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 interviews for anything like even if you're you're trying to find a job outside of the OCIs or you're just trying to see what other people have done. Like there's so much value in that, that we, that got taken away from us um, with the pandemic. Cause you, you know, like I learned this year for the first time, like, like one of our colleagues did whatever job last summer and I'm interested in that. And I would like to talk to them about it, but because we're not, we don't see each other as much or we don't talk to each other as much. Like we didn't have that. I, I agree with everything that was said. Um... There's nothing that was said that I would say doesn't apply. <laughs> um, I would add as well that we did, uh, that uh, I hosted a podcast last year called Our Very Interesting 1L Year with two other of my friends, uh, Chelsea and Francois, who are also part of our program. And that was also a point that was brought up was the fact that it's really difficult to have like a chit chat with someone, like an unplanned and unscheduled chit chat which nowadays so when does that happen everything is a meeting yeah so it does make it difficult yeah yeah we thought about it that way yeah because you have to like if you want to talk to a prof for example you're interested in what they do you'd have to like actually schedule like send them an email schedule a meeting with a topic and ask them specifically to talk about this thing but if you were if we were in person maybe we could just um you know, go see the prof after class uh, or stop by their office and mm. just kind of have just a little talk. So 
that does make it more difficult. Like for me with the, of course, with the professors and then also uh, with classmates as well. Like, like Larry said, the school does give us opportunities to network and to talk, but it is definitely awkward um, to, because on Zoom, you can only listen to like one person at a time, right? So it's like, there's no side conversations. There's no, you know, easily breaking apart to like have a little conversation with someone or like, um, yeah, so it's always just one conversation going on and everyone is listening to you. And in big groups, like for me, I just don't, I don't talk like all the networking, networking events we've had or even the events where in one hour we were just like meeting our peers. I was always just like listening to people. And I feel like some people didn't even know who I was in, in first year because I never said anything. But yeah, it's true. Um, all right. I wanted to talk about uh, the OCI process. Can you just tell uh, people um, if you partook in OCIs, if you did, like how many interviews did you have? Like just give a little insight into like how it went. So OCIs, it's uh, basically employers, mostly from big law, that participate in many interviews at the same time. So basically, you apply through a website to all these different law firms on the same website. So it's everything is on there. And then they all have the same deadline. And then they all call you on the same day for the interviews. And then you have, there's a period of interviews. Um, and that's how a lot of people get summer jobs. So it's basically, it's for a summer job during um, your the summer after 2L, between 2L and 3L. So it's basically what that is. Um, but you don't have to do it. And that I might start, if you don't mind, because I didn't do the OCIs. So you might think that you have to do it. You don't have to do it. Um, I want to work in social justice. A lot of law firms don't work in social most don't work in social justice if they do it's it's um you know it'll be uh, a lot of firms that work in human rights work in employment uh like they represent uh employees that were discriminated against which is great i'm i don't really want to work in employment law so i i thought you know what what's another way i can get a job <laughs> in that field and there are a lot of ways um i know there's a prof that told me that she got her dream summer job without going through the OCIs. Mm -hmm. And that most, exactly, mo like most employers that do go through the OCIs don't work in the field that we are interested in, right? Um, but it's great for students who want to work in business law or any, like torts, that's another one, um, family law, that's another one. Uh, but yeah, so I didn't, go through that. So what I did is I applied for a fellowship and it's for community work or, or, or NGOs um, who don't have funding to hire students, but they need the help. So you can get your salary from the fellowship and then do your work. It's basically like volunteering, but getting paid through another source. Um, so that's what I'm doing this summer. I'll be working at the, uh, at a, a legal clinic and they didn't have they don't have a lot of funding for for hiring students so that's another great way you can also do SPIs you can also work for the government you can also you know uh there are other fellowships if you want to work for a smaller firm and yeah there's so many options out, out there and most people will apply for the OCIs but not most people get jobs through the OCIs cuz there's just so many jobs right 
some firms only hire one person mm -hmm. and others hire a bunch of people. So it really depends on, on what you want. And if you don't get a job through the OCIs, you have so many other options. So for me, um, I did do the OCIs, um, but <laughs> I debated doing them just like Vero. I, I wasn't sure um, I wanted to go through that process. For me, though, the big added value that the OCIs had that I found I couldn't really find elsewhere was the um, finding an articling position right away in 2L. That was because, um, you know, some people have a lot of anxiety with that, not being able to find an articling position. Um, and for me, that that was a big thing. Uh, so that's mainly why I decided to do the OCIs. And I went into the process with the with an open mind. Um, I was very selective in what firm I applied to. Um, and I, I only applied to, I think, four firms. And um, yeah, I, I went into it with no expectations. And I knew that if I didn't find anything through the OCIs, you know, I, I would be okay. I would have other options and that was fine with me. Um, but I think what Vero said is very important because in my experience, at least, I found that you don't have a lot of information about, you know, options that are not part of the OCIs, um, whether it's through my own fault because I didn't do my research or because I didn't reach out to the right people at um, at school or anything like that. But I, I found that, you know, we are overloaded with information about the OCIs. We get three emails a day about them. But no one's really reaching out to you to be like, hey, if you're not interested in big law, these are your options. Um, so to me, that was, um, I don't know, I was I was anxious about that because I, I did do the legal clinic last year, which I, I loved my experience. But for me, I still don't know exactly what I want to do. And um, I wanted to kind of venture out to try other things. Um, so that's what I did. And I, I did the OCIs. I had I think four interviews like four three four I I don't remember anyways I had a few interviews in the first week then I went on with the the second week of interviews and I ended up getting um accepting an offer through the OCIs um so that's what I'll be doing but um yeah I I still think that there's uh, it's important to stress that there are other other options and not everyone is successful with the OCIs and um, it really doesn't matter. If you do decide to do the OCIs, I think it's really good to read the prep documents in advance, way in advance, because um, they do give big tips on how to apply, what you need. And some things you need, uh, you can't get two days in advance like if you're you know if you're prepping um just like letters of recommendation some places want them some places don't want them they just want names other places um other places want writing samples so you need to have that prepared that's not something fun to prep two days in advance right so um it's it's important to to be able to to know what you want that that'll be a, a big stress that will be taken off of that no, that's a very good point. I said I was selective in the firms I applied to, but it's also because I was very last minute and there are things that I did not have prepared. <laughs> so I was selective, but also the life selected out some firms for me because I obviously um, was very last minute. 
on my side, I did partake in OCIs, but I was also late. And um, I think I got like one first interview in, for the Ottawa recruit, and that fell through after. And then I did the Montreal recruit because that's where I'm from. So I did the Montreal recruit. And that one, I went all out. I think I applied to like 33 firms, which is excessive. <laughs> but that's just because I was anxious. Like, um, That's a lot of work. I wouldn't be able to stay here and tell you like what each firm does <laughs> so that I applied to. <laughs> but yeah, and I think I, I did like five first interviews and then one second interview, but then it fell through, um, which is fine. But then uh, I also got an offer like uh, from the legal clinic for this summer so I will be working yes (laughs) so I will be working at the legal clinic which is nice it was kind of like a process that was happening alongside the OCIs but um kind of at the same time so uh very happy about that and it's nice that we're all here and we all have different experiences with OCIs who did not do the OCIs I did them was not successful in the OCI part but successful in another way Lerie did the OCIs and got an offer so it's really really cool yeah and we all got jobs with yeah. each path, right? So that's yeah. that's the important part. A lot of people think that the OCIs is the only way to go. And it's hard because uh, the, the big firms, they have the resources to, you know, organize like presentations at your school. They can kind of, uh, you know, offer you some stuff and like you know, that's just the way it is. Like, that's the way business is. It's difficult to, when you're in law school to, to be, to make the balance between uh, what you want and like what your interests are, especially when you're not sure what they are. And then what um, the big firms are kind of like pushing with the OCIs. So, you know, it's just hard. Like, it's just stressful to kind of think about that. And then for me, like one of the biggest challenges I had was thinking about well, am I making the right decision? Like if I apply to this place and I get an interview and I get an offer, like I was really thinking like 10 steps ahead and then thinking of myself uh, after articling and like working in law, uh, is this the kind of lawyer that I want to be? And then it's, well, how do I know that I want to do this kind of law? Well, the truth is I don't know. (laughs) So I guess my advice is just to apply to the places that you're interested in if you are doing the OCIs or if you do some other applications outside, um, just apply to what interests you. It's okay to not know for certain what you want to do later. Take uh, things how they come. Yeah. And if I can add to that, I, I think it's also, there's a lot of peer pressure around the OCIs and around like working at certain law firms, like, the, you know, the, the big law firms that have that reputation of, of you know, having all the students want to go there and there's a lot of peer pressure in that and it's easy to fall into that trap of like well everyone wants to work there I should want to work there too um and it's easy to kind of lose yourself in that because you you kind of lose sight of what's important for you and what you actually want to do and law school is very quick like it's three years and you don't have a lot of time to try and figure out what kind of lawyer you want to be like Bianca said or what kind of law you want to practice so I think it's important to know the things that you don't want to do and to you know respect yourself in that in that aspect and not you know 
go do that thing that everyone wants to do because everyone wants to do it when like you have no interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with the OCIs, it's easy to apply to all those firms that everyone wants to apply to and then interview with them and, and kind of get lost in that, like wanting to work for them just because when it's actually not what you want to do. And I think also for me with the experience with the OCIs, what I found is that I read a post on LinkedIn. I wish I could tell you guys who it was from, but it it was like the day before call day when, well, you both know I was very conflicted. Um, and I read a post that really helped me figure it out. Um, and it was this like senior lawyer talking about like, I always have students asking me, how do you figure out what kind of law you want to practice? And he was saying that, you know, his advice for students was like, stop trying, stop trying to find the kind of law you want to practice and find the kind of people you want to practice with. And it's more about finding your team, finding the people that you um, work well with and you have like a good work life experience um, because any kind of law can become boring and heavy with the wrong people and any kind of law can become interesting if you're working with the right people and I think that really helped me figure out what I wanted to do this summer because I ended up going with the firm that I felt I fit in the most um with who I had like the greatest experience with the different people I had met so I didn't end up going with like the biggest law firm and having like you know the the job that everyone wants uh but for me I think I think I made the right decision in in the fact that like I prioritized who I will have a better summer with like who I'll get along with better um and it's a smaller firm so I feel like I'll um I won't feel like a number. Um, so yeah, that's what's important to me. It might not be what's important to other people and that's valid too. But I think it's important to take a moment to like take a step back, figure out what you want and what you don't want and to keep that in mind when you're making decisions. And with a process like the OCIs, it's easy to go with, you know, because you're not going to get an offer maybe from your number one firm maybe you'll get an offer from your number four and it's it's important I think to sit down beforehand and decide like if this is the only offer I get is this something I want to be doing is am I gonna am I gonna learn from that experience am I gonna is it gonna you know make me not want to practice law anymore because I'm not gonna like the people I work with I'm gonna you know so I think it's important to to really take a step back and think about these things because it's so easy to just take whatever comes to you just because you're you're desperate and you want something but there's always another way and I think that's important to keep in mind. Yeah, and I think that as young women especially it's important to identify the red flags and mm-hmm. run away because <laughs> you don't want to be stuck at a job where you're not being respected and you're not you don't have growing opportunities because of what you look like or because of who you are, because you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think I completely agree with, with you know, like saying that, you know, you have to respect yourself, your boundaries, your interests, but also identify who has the best vibe, I guess, <laughs> you know, yeah. when you're in an interview, I know we were talking about that, like, you know, sometimes you get a feeling of, Oh, I don't know you know, maybe I won't be treated as well or, or, or completely the opposite. Like, and that's not something that 
either of you said, but it's just something I think we, we talk about a lot, like in general in school. It's tough because you have to make a judgment call based off of what you've seen from the firm, like the way the interviewers were with you. Like, I know that that um, had an impact on me. Like, would I see myself working with these people, for example? That's kind of what I was thinking about or when I asked questions during the interview. Because you're also trying to find the right place for you, right? And like, that's something that gets lost in the whole process because it is competitive. So you're thinking, oh, will I get an offer? Will I be the lucky one? But at the end of the day, like coming back to what we were saying, but um, you're the only one looking out for you, really. So you need to make sure, first and foremost, that you are at a place that you think you will be happy at. And sometimes that can be really difficult because that requires to make a decision sometimes. That can be hard, like knowing, am I making the right or the wrong decision? But At the end of the day, I don't think that there's a right or a wrong decision. We just take the path that we're uh, given and the path that just kind of comes to us and that feels right in the moment. And that's all you can really do. Yeah. As well, I think that something important to mention about OCIs or like any application process, but especially OCIs because it's, it is competitive to make sure that we all support each other. It does happen that sometimes you are like in direct competition with your friends that you've been studying with and you know you're literally having the same interviews with the same firms. So it's it's important to not get lost in that. I mean, I I feel like at our faculty it's been really great. Mm-hmm. I didn't really feel like competitiveness between my friends and I like we are all helping each other practicing interviews. It's, you know, and that's what it's about. And I think like you said, also, it's about finding the right fit for you. And I think we all had, well, at at least in our group of friends, like we have that mindset of like, if it's the right fit for Bianca, and it's not, then it's not the right fit for me, right? So I want you to get the best experience for yourself. And I want that for myself, too. And obviously, that's not necessarily going to be the same experience. So I think it's, it's important to not lose track of that. And it's easy to become competitive, I think. Um, but I really don't feel that either in our... Women supporting women. We love it. <laughs> I also wanted to touch on uh, the importance of grades because I feel like that's something that comes up a lot. Uh, what kind of grades should I have to go into OCIs or any kind of application? Are grades important? What are your impressions? In one of our classes, there was a speaker who has a very good job right now, like very successful. And she said that she was barely passing her classes in law school. She was really, really struggling. She was, you know, really out there for herself, fighting for, you know, just kind of, she needed money. She had a job. Like she, she was really doing the best that she could, but she wasn't getting good grades. And she's still this wonderful. <laughs> You know, very important person who, or, or, or she's she has a very important job now. Yeah, and I think she she mentioned that you don't have to stress too much about that. There's a lot of peer pressure, and people love to kind of brag about their their grades if they get good grades. But I think that it really depends. And I mean, sometimes the classes will depend. Like if you get a bad grade in one class that you're not really passionate about. I think it really depends on the classes, right? If you're applying for a law firm that works in business law or whatnot, maybe, and again, I don't know, like take all this with a grain of salt, but I have a feeling 
that they're not going to look at your constitutional law class grade if you're working in property law. Like that's not what they're right what they're looking for um so i think it's important to do your best but at the same time don't stress too much if you're not getting the best grades and also don't forget the bell curve like you might have better grades than you think it's just that because of the bell curve they have to put a few grades down or whatnot right so really depends and i think what really helped out in first year in orientation I don't know if you both remember this, but they told us that B's in law school are undergrad A's. <laughs> like a, a B in law school is a, is a good grade, right? So a C is like a not so bad. It's not the best, but it's not the end of the world, right? So it really depends on, on what your objectives are and what job. Of course, like if you're applying for a clerkship at the Supreme Court, you need very good grades, but you'll still go far in life if you don't have the best grades, right? And I think, unfortunately for OCIs, I think grades are somewhat important because they're first, when they get all the applications, I, I think it's their first way of filtering out people. So Obviously, for OCIs, I think it's it's somewhat important. But I do think that, you know, if if once you get the interviews, like once you, you get through that first step, um, no one's talking to you about your grades. I don't know. In my experience, yeah, you might have a different experience. But in my experience, no one mentioned my grades in my interviews. Like people want to talk about your experience, like what's on your resume, what's your, like, no one's talking to me, but no one talked to me about my classes or my experience studying overnight for an exam. Um, no, like I, I didn't talk about any of that in, in my interviews. Like they, they asked me about what I do outside of law school. Um, what's my experience before law school uh, and, and that sort of thing. So unfortunately they are, the grades are, the first thing that they'll be looking at but once you're through that no one's ever going to mention your grades and I think you know like we said earlier there are other ways to find jobs and where grades might be less important and I think like once once you've uh found that place that you want to work at and once you've you, you know you've found your articling then no one's ever going to be looking at your grades again unless like Vero said you want to do a clerkship or something like that yeah, and I think um, I just thought of something else that we were told in orientation. They told us that, you know, it's better to have Bs and be very involved. Yeah. And instead of just having As and you have nothing really to talk about during interviews, right? It's like, okay, you got an A, so what else do you do? You know, which is fine, but it's just that it's, that's where getting involved. And I know I'm kind of... <laughs> going against what I said earlier but still like don't overcharge your your resume just do a few things here and there and and you can you can fill it out you know fill up your resume sorry but um I think that can help if you have season B's and maybe but you're doing all this volunteer work or you're involved or you know you worked at this place during the summer or whatnot so I think it really depends on the whole situation yeah but it's 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 true because I, I think at least two of the law firms I interviewed with, um, some some people mentioned that, that, you know, like if you, it's great if you have A's everywhere, but if like you do nothing else outside of school and you have nothing to talk about, like you're, you're not gonna, you know, if you really have nothing else that you do and you only study, then what are you going to talk about during your interviews? So 
I think it's very important to find a balance. And I think that's really hard. Like, honestly, that's hard to figure out like what works for you and what's too much, what's enough. And that's, that's the tricky part, but I think it's really important to, it helps to think of it in the way of like, what would I, what would I talk about in an interview? Like, they're not going to ask about your grades. They're not going to ask about your outline. They're not going to ask about how do you study and how do you do research? Like no one's going to ask you about that. So you need to have something else to talk about, obviously. Um, and so, yeah, even in the OCIs, like a few of the law firms did mention that in their, um, in my interviews. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of value in, in what you said. I agree with everything that was said as well. Um, the The grades they are a little bit important when it comes to the recruit, I think exactly because it is kind of a filtering mechanism. But still though, there is, I find uh, a myth that I've heard that only like the top 10% of people get through the, to getting an interview. You don't get an interview otherwise. So I just wanted to say like, that is absolutely false. I agree that it's false. (laughs) Yeah, like I would say honestly that if you are, average or above average like you're probably fine in terms of interviews and uh, in terms of your grades and usually they kind of take your grades as a sign that that you understand what you need to understand and you probably have good research skills and you probably can talk about a case and understand it so they won't ask you that during the interview um the questions I've gotten have been more about myself like how would I describe myself as a person uh things like that because at the end of the day they take your grades, they're like, okay, this person knows what they're doing. And then they want to know if they would like to work with you or not. Yeah, that's what I heard from uh, one of the law firms I interviewed with, with, what's most important during the OCIs, which they won't necessarily tell you, is that they're trying to find the right fit in terms of personality. Like, they don't necessarily care about how well you're prepared to answer the question, talk about yourself. Like, mm-hmm. Not, it's not really the point of the interviews it's it's really finding the person they want to work with so once you're that's why I said like once you're through that first step of like getting the interview it's more about who you are and are you a person they would like to work with and that's also why you know if if you don't get a second interview with a firm like it's not it's not a reflection of yourself it's not that you're not good enough it's that you know you might just not be the right fit for them and that might be a gift that they're, they're giving you because sometimes you know you want to work with the people that you're, you share values with and that, you know, your, your personalities fit together. So I think that's very important to keep in mind too. Um, in the interview process, that's something that we forget about like a lot of time. I guess just to kind of, uh, end off the episode, just a few things to touch on. What would you say was the biggest challenge for you in second year and what changes would you make in terms of your mindset, your routine, or your habits going into third year? Well, for me, I think my my biggest challenge, and like, obviously, you girls know this, my, I, I had family issues in, in second year. So I had to take a little bit of time off, I had to, you know, reorganize my things. Um, and that was really challenging for me. Uh, in terms of balancing, you know, family life and school life and work, and uh, keep like staying on track. And again, it comes to, you know, you're ha- being surrounded by by people that you trust in law school and having people that have your back and can help you. And honestly, I'm so grateful for 
my friends and the people that helped me through this year. I wouldn't have done it without them, but that was definitely the, uh, well, I say without them, but without you too, obviously. Um, but yeah, so that was the biggest challenge and, and, ha- you know, having this year being the OCI year, uh, and, and everything. And I think for me, um, I think I, bec- because of the um, imposter syndrome and because of we, the fact we already touched on this, but because of the fact that we always feel like we don't necessarily belong and that we're surrounded by people who are so good at what they do and we always compare ourselves. I think sometimes I tend to be my own, um, how do you say that? Worst critic? Yeah, my worst critic, but also like I, before I even decided I was going to apply for the the OCIs, I was like, is it worth it? Like all those people apply for the OCIs. They're so good. They're so, they have their, their life together and they know where they're going. They know what they want to do. And I don't like, I'm kind of lost because I have so so many interests and I'm not sure what I want to do. And I do all these things outside of law school like I'm not the most involved inside of law school so why would like why would anyone choose me um instead of all those great people that I'm surrounded by and I think that it's very important to learn to value yourself value your experience and I said this like a million times (laughs) in the last hour but to not compare yourself and not be the person who like don't stop yourself from applying for things that interest you just because you think that you're not qualified because you know, everyone around you might have that feeling or, you know, the, the person who's choosing who's going to get that job, who's going to get that internship uh, might see the value in, in your experiences that you can't see. Um, so I think that's something that I want to work on um, in third year. Like, you know, obviously it comes back to what Vero said, having more confidence, believing in, our, in ourselves. And um, yeah, I think that's my my biggest challenge and my the thing I want to work on in, in three years. That was actually the thing that I was going to mention as well. The, the confidence, I think, was a big thing for me. Um, just having that wake-up call when the, the prof mentioned that to me, like, you know, because I, I have confidence issues in my personal life, and I didn't think that it was translating to my <laughs> academic life as well. I thought I was fine. And when uh, the prof mentioned that to me, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, okay, no, that makes sense, right? So I think it was a wake-up call and I, I need to work on it. And I've been working on it really hard and I think I've come a long way, but it's still not perfect. <laughs> and um, I think it's finding hobbies as well. I, I find that I paint a lot and just painting has helped my confidence, as weird as that sounds. Like, I don't know, I just... It doesn't. Yeah, no, I know, but it's just like I I paint how I feel and I paint how, you know, so it's just just kind of focusing on your own feelings and trying to know yourself. Um and I'm trying to becoming unapologetically me and that's been a real issue, but I'm just trying to be, you know, not shy and not hide anything or, you know. So, yeah. So that's a big thing. And I, I, I know that it will help me during 3L, whether it be grades, not that it really affected my grades. It's more the fact that, you know, maybe it'll affect my job process or, <laughs> you know, just the way that I feel when I'm participating in class or studying or just having a little bit more trust in myself because I know 
that I can do it, it's more during, like while I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, you know, just questioning yourself. Mm -hmm. But I would never do that to kind of like you said, Bianca, at the beginning, like, you know, I'd never think that about other people. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I never question like, oh, Bianca said this to me. I don't know. I don't think that's true. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) So maybe maybe she's wrong, (laughs) but, you know, and I think I have to work on that for myself. Yeah, I would say honestly, along the same lines, like uh, my most challenging part of 2L for me was uh, finding my identity as a future lawyer, as weird as that sounds. (laughs) Especially that I'm choosing classes for third year now, right? We're going to start that soon. Well, one thing at a time, exams come first. But yeah, Yeah. Um, (laughs) but it's tough because like I'm fine I'm trying to find which classes I want to take and which way I want to orient myself in and at the end of the day I'm not really sure and I don't know that I ever will be sure so I think I just have to kind of accept that on uh, myself as well as the confidence thing I think it all kind of ties together I have to be confident that I'm making the right decision for myself even though I don't know if it is the right decision because what is the right decision? We're never going to know. Yeah. And the quest, the quest of finding yourself, will, it isn't going to stop. No. When you graduate, right? Like it's not like, oh, I have a degree now. I passed the bar. Okay. I'm, I'm set for life and I know what I want to do for life, right? So many lawyers change firms. They change areas of law. They get involved at night. If they, I know a lawyer that, you know, she works at a company, but during, because she she wanted the stability, but she also really cares about social justice. So she does it at night. She gets involved. She's on boards of you know NGOs and stuff like that. Like that, it never. I think that growing shouldn't stop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important to know that it's okay not to know. Like I feel like I spend so much time trying to figure out and trying to you know, because you're surrounded by people who know exactly what they want to do. And it's fine and good for them. But it's so many more people than we think just don't know. And it's okay to try things and to figure it out. And maybe you won't know in five years either. But it's okay, like you'll just still be trying things. And as long as you're moving forward, who cares, you're moving. I mean, I don't think there's a better way to end it off. Such a good message. Um, all right. Well, uh, that's the end of the podcast episode. I hope that the conversation was helpful um, wherever you are in like the law journey. So yeah, thank you everyone for listening. And thank you so much, Vihu and Lahi, for coming onto the podcast. It was such a pleasure having you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It was fun. Thank you for listening. You've just been listening to The Law School Show, Student Life Series. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on our website, thelawschoolshow.com. If you like what you've heard, give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for the latest updates. Curated resources and opportunities to help you navigate the law school experience in every episode. Catch it all here next time on the Student Life Series.